Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. We are hosts, Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrow. This week we're welcoming a special guest onto the show. Again, as always, if you see it on Instagram, A Wee Bit of Everything podcast or Twitter, at Burrow underscore mister or at Lewis 94 I feel like a broken down record here, but we'd appreciate it if you could give us a wee share or a retweet as this helps us get the podcast out there so others can listen as well. This week on the podcast, another very relevant topic um, for the current climate that we're in just now. So we feel it's relevant to get these guests on so that they can share their knowledge and we can help teachers and ourselves in the current um, situation that we're all in again. So who have we got on the show for us tonight then? I just picked up on what you were saying there. If anybody's got anything they would like to see on the podcast or any other uh guests that, that they know who, who could come on also give us a message uh, on Twitter or Instagram and then we can get them on. We'll do our best. Um, this week in the podcast we're delighted to welcome Alan Campbell. Alan's a former colleague of mine at Calder Side Academy. That must have been about five years ago I think, if my memory serves me right. Uh, and even back then he showed enthusiasm and passion for ICT within DE. Now I'm saying that is because he's on today to talk about uh, online learning and going to give us some tips for high quality remote learning so we're going to go through that uh, tonight so I'm sure it will be relevant and hopefully it's useful for um, myself and Lewis and yourself listening back at home um, or if you're on a walk or a run or whatever making the most of the, the lockdown trying to stay active um, anyway back then back then when we worked at Calderside Academy I was in probation yeah um, we used to go swimming after work a couple of times a week He's a, he's a really good swimmer. I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. Um, and he used to teach me a thing or two in the pool um, when I was training for my triathlon. So now we've got some great memories um, together. So we're looking forward to having him on today to talk about top tips for high quality digital learning um, for physical education. So before we, before we go, he's also going to delve into uh, key do's and don'ts while teaching online and how to engage pupils in the learning process. Something that's I'm sure we're all intrigued to know more about. So let's get him on then, eh? Mr. Cleland. You looking forward to this one? What's your thoughts? Absolutely. I'm always looking for new tips and tricks with kind of online learning. Any wee tips would be absolutely greatly received to try and increase engagement levels. And obviously it's good fun to try out new things as well, isn't it? To see absolutely. what works, what doesn't. And that's what it's all about. So it's, um, I, think, I think as well, just like a wee bit of everything, we're, we're big on taking away and testing strategies that we don't pick up from the guests, don't we? Myself and you. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? We're quite big on that, so that's why we try and ask the guests these sort of types of questions, so you can take something away from it tonight and test it out tomorrow when you're online with the people, so hopefully you pick up something actionable. That's it. Well, we'll get them on then. Right, Mr. Campbell, how you doing? It's good to see you again. How's things? Hi, hello, Mr. Burrow. I'm good. Things are busy just now, as I'm sure most teachers are. Um, but we're we're getting through it. We're getting by, and we're we're sorting everybody out. So, what about yourself? Well, it's that way on Twitter that people are saying schools are shut, but they're not really shut. It's only <laughs> the building, isn't it? No, definitely. Schools are very much online, very much open. We're all either at the other end of a telephone or computer screen. We're trying our best for all the young people and, and parents in the community, for sure. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us uh, tonight to share your expertise around uh, different online platforms for digital teaching and learning. Um, I know you're going to touch on a couple, so 
Before we get into that side of it, could you give us and the listeners a little background information on your teaching career to date? I know I spoke in the introduction about um, how we worked together, that was about five years ago, I think, um, yep. from yep. the sales and the right. So, could you give us a wee rundown from uh, five, six years ago? I think you, you were on probation here just before me. So, Yep, yep, sure. So, um, I graduated from the University of Edinburgh in 2014 as a PE teacher, best subject around. Um, done my probation year at Kirluk High School in 2014-2015, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and then landed a post on one year supply at Calder Side Academy where I joined yourself. You were on your probation year, 2015-2016 um, I'm sure that was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a good year. And then after that, I, absolutely. Um, and then after that, I got a position at Lanark Grammar School for, for area cover in session 2016-17. Um, and then during that year, I secured permanency at Lanark Grammar, which was fantastic, having, having your own place to go and you knew that was where you were going every day. It was a, a real relief. Um, and then a couple of years later, promoted up to principal teacher of pupil support in 2018. And that's where, that's where my, my main role is just now. Um, and I think obviously given the, the current context, it's good to mention that I also achieved the Google Educator Level 1 and 2 um, certifications this year, uh, sorry, well, just last year, sorry, um, and was also accepted into the Google Certified Trainer Programme um, for, for Scotland as well. So um, that's kind of where we're at just now, um, a little rundown in the last few years. So you're still doing the Google Trainer then? Do you have to do Level 1 and 2 before you move on to that? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the Google for Education programme is, is fantastic. I'm a massive advocate of it, as I'm sure you can probably guess, um, as I am with many, many things digital. But mm-hmm. I decided to pursue the Google um, for Education side of things after going to a seminar kind of workshop over at Cathkin um, back in 2018. And really, really enjoyed it and thought it was really imaginative and creative the way they were bringing uh, tools into education. So I've kind of pursued that a little bit more and that's what's led me into the Google um, trainer kind of program. So you do level level one and level two first. There's some training um, and uh, an exam at the end of each. Um, and once you've got both, you can then apply for for the trainer um, certification, which then allows you to then go and deliver mm-hmm. training within your school um, to the pupils, to the staff, or or when restrictions um, leave us, then I can actually go a bit further afield uh, throughout the country and can deliver some things similar to what mm-hmm. I went to in Carrathen, which I'm really excited about. Hopefully one day I'll get that opportunity. Good. Sounds as if you're giving a lot back as well from what you've learned. Um, you'd be good. You'd be glad to know that I've uh, signed up to level one. Got an email out from Mr. Dodge the other day, but anyone who wants to move on, so you'll be proud of me. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> I'm Br- proud. Brown, brownie points. There you go. Getting them in early. <laughs> Just before we move on to the digital learning questions, what about uh, Lanark Grammar P Department, Lewis? What about um, trying to think who's all there, Mr. Campbell? Who's still there? I was, I was speaking to Miss Sanders at the garden centre before we went into lockdown, so I was maybe Cassie into the garden centre for lunch, then I bumped into Miss Sanders and her mum, and I was blaring away to her, just reminiscing about the, the good old days of... A freestyle gymnastics club and that, that me and all my, my friends went to, we just got all the crash mats out and the, the trampettes and we just went wild at lunchtime, it was amazing. <laughs> that was like my, my fondest <laughs> memories, it was great. Well, I think these were similar with it. Dodgeball, the ultimate dodgeball, the gymnastics equipment. They were like fun, fun times in PE. But I think the majority, quite a lot of the teachers are still there from when, when I was at school. 
Yeah, yeah, we've got um, Anne-Marie Carnes, she's the, the faculty head just now, um, yeah. she she was there when you guys were yeah. there, mm-hmm. um, Denise Sanders, as you said, Andy Barr, um, he's still there, Johnny Gardiner, mm-hmm. um, we've got... Yep, we've got um, Laura Rankin, who not sure if she would have been there when you guys were there. I think I, um, I, I think I met her when I went. So I went down to. I think this is when I was at college. I went down to interview. It was Johnny Gardner, and I think it was Laura that was there at the time, and I had to I interviewed them for some project I was doing at college. Um, and I think I, I think that's who who it was. It was there. Um, but yeah. I so everyone that's that was there when I was at school certainly still there. The majority of them, anyway. Yeah. And we've got a good a good few few other kind of new members of staff in as well. Alistair Scott, who you guys know, uh, Rachel mm-hmm. Thompson, Lucy Clyde, Alison Henderson, and we've got Gregor Fleming as our uh, probationer just now currently. Um, oh, it's got so a big department, isn't it? Big, yeah, yeah. Days we're doing well. well. We're doing Much well. Bigger than what it was when we were at school. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, so we'll move into the the digital learning side of it, um, Alan. I was calling you Mr. Campbell. That's the last few things, so I'll move on to more personal now. I think that, I think that would be a thing, Clark, yes. <laughs> right, so because of the current climate that we're in, uh, as you well know, um, I'm sure the listeners would benefit from your expertise that you were talking about there through your courses. So a good place to start would probably be, how do you achieve high-quality remote learning? It's a great, a great place to start, and I think many, many people will be quite anxious and quite worried just now, teachers, um, about how you can deliver high quality remote learning. We all, we all know that and we all know where our strengths lie and, and where our development needs lie when we're in the classroom. We all, we all learn our pedagogy and we've developed it over many years. But I think being, being kind of flung in at the deep end, so to speak, with, with this remote learning, a lot of us are, are a bit worried about it and even myself included. That was one of the reasons why I put myself through the, the Google qualifications last year was because this was something that was difficult. I wanted to be doing the best for my students <clears throat> um, and taking, undertaking a bit of CLPL was, was really important to try and make sure I had the tools and the skills so that I could deliver high quality or what I believe anyway to be high quality learning and teaching experiences. So um, I think I've kind of reflected on this. I think three things you should base, it, base this around um, access, needs and differentiation which if i'm being honest probably is not any any different to what we would usually do had we been in the physical classroom um if we look at access first obviously in order for any quality of learning and teaching to take place children need to have access to the school to the learning to the classroom and remote learning is is no different there um obviously they need access to the internet they, they need access to a device um, and those would be key considerations for, for making sure that you could achieve high quality learning and teaching on a remote basis. And I know that my school, um, we've, we've invested a lot of time in making sure we understand the digital profile for, for our students in our local community and understanding what devices our young people are, are using. Um, have they got access to internet? And that was pretty much off the back of lockdown one that we, we spent a lot of time and invested a lot into that. And this time round, we're in a much clearer and better position um, with regards to who needs what and we've been able in kind of fortunate position being able to go out and deliver Chromebooks um, Wi-Fi dongles and things to the, the children and families that need that little bit of, of resource or, or those devices in order to help with equity and make sure that first of the children have got access to their learning I think that's really important um, It's almost similar to the old saying that you know that you can raise attainment is by getting the kids in school isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Something like that, like you have to have Ab- them in front absolutely. of you. Absolutely, absolutely. So yep, if a, if a 
child does not have access to a device or doesn't have access to the internet, then obviously they, they're, they're stopped from getting into their learning straight away. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a barrier to learning that has to be addressed straight away. Um, secondly, in order to try and achieve high quality remote learning, I would think that the needs of the child and obviously the needs of the, the class and the teacher are considered, again as ever. Um, you teach to the group of children that are, are in front of you, whether that's physically or remotely. Um, whoever's in your Google Classroom, for example, that's the group of children that you're teaching to um, and it's their needs that you need to be acutely aware of so um, that shouldn't change in, in remote learning and if um, you've got a class who you know respond particularly well to interaction um, then you need to make sure that you're maybe giving them a little bit of that so you're using audio on your on your device or you're using the, the embedded webcam or I know a lot of our staff are, are using recording function over a PowerPoint, so they've got their slides in the background, plus they've got the audio over it, and they've got the little camera down in the bottom right, so the, the child actually gets to see their teacher and gets to hear them, especially younger ones, they're, they're really appreciating that just now. Um, other yeah, things... Yeah, but, sorry, 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 Alan, um, I've got a wee funny story in regards to that, so I was doing that as well, screencasting for the camera, Yeah. but then I didn't, I didn't realise that the camera was covering half the stuff I was speaking about. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you could. No, nah, I, I researched that. I think you can move the camera. I think, like, yeah, somewhere, somewhere. But I've not actually tried that yet. But I thought your head was hollow. So your head's in the way of that link with the access. I says, what are you trying to say? My head's too big. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry no. for interrupting you there. Not at all, not at all. I think that's that's what you're saying there is something that obviously we're all learning, we're all going through I it. And these are things, that, yeah. the little kind of teasing issues that we'll all encounter at some point and I don't really see that, that's not an issue. That's it's a good thing that you encounter that because as, as always we learn through failing or we learn through through making mistakes. So absolutely, I think that's that's key to, to not get yourself worked up about it or worry about it, especially with regard to obviously digital, digital learning, eh, remote learning. I think... The final thing that I would consider when trying to achieve high quality remote learning would be differentiation. And again, something that we all do on an everyday basis within the physical classroom is, is differentiate between the, the children that are in front of you. So we know that everybody learns slightly differently. Um, and therefore, we need to make sure that we still continue that on the, on the remote platform. So as I was just saying previously about maybe uploading a PowerPoint um, with some audio or with some visual, that's one way. Some people like to just upload a worksheet. Um, some people like to upload just a video with no slides behind it. Some people just like to do the audio. Um, some people are actually hosting live sessions where the pupils actually need to be um, in class, so to speak, at a certain time and a place. And they need to log on and, and come on and interact through the chat or through their video function. Lots and lots of different ways, um, and I think that needs to be considered when you're trying to deliver high-quality remote learning because you wouldn't just teach and deliver one way when you're standing up in front of the class. You would have a number of different ways within your teaching toolkit that you would try and make use of, yep. depending on who is in front of you, and I think that still needs to be considered when you're delivering remotely. Um, and I know that for myself, for example, this week with my national class, um, we've put up a... A video, a video of the PowerPoint, which has got my, my little face in the bottom right, hopefully not covering any links, uh, Clark. Um, <laughs> um, so it's got the, the slides in the background, it's got my face and it's got my voice and I'm spending maybe 10-15 minutes talking over it in, in depth and that will reach out to one particular group of learners within the class and they'll like to watch that and repeat it and maybe review it a few times. Um, I've also just put up the slides on their own so they can work through it in their own time for those who maybe just like to read um, and, and like to kind of get, get from there. 
I've put up a few worksheets where they can do a bit of planning. So folk who like to do spider diagrams, folk who like to do a bit of whiteboarding, folk who like to go on and just do a, a little bit of extra prep. Um, and then they've, they've got their kind of real answer form, so to speak. Um, so there's a, a real variety of resources on there to try and, as much as I can, reach out to every child that's in the class. And I believe that those specific resources would suit that particular class. Um, if it was a different set of students, then I might need different resources, more or less. Um, uh, that would be dependent on the class. But for them, I think that's, that's well. And I've had a few good comments um, about that. So I think it's really important to keep in mind that while you are not sitting in front of the class directly, you still need to try and make sure that things you would typically do if you were standing up in front of the class, you're, you're still trying to carry forward on a, on a remote basis, which I know can be quite tricky and quite, quite difficult. And that's the bit where there's some experimentation and a bit of maybe CLPL required a bit of time. And obviously that idea of making mistakes, you, you mentioned one just a few minutes ago, um, which hopefully you'll be able to learn for that and you'll move the, the camera next time or you'll, you'll try something different. We're phone all you, phone, you. phone me, <laughs> phone me. Um, <laughs> we're, all, we're all trying something, something really, really different just now. So I wouldn't get, get too worried. Um, but it's pretty, pretty clear to say that Microsoft things and Apple things and any sort of digital platform is, is useful, especially to us just now where we're having to think in really creative ways. So um, I'm a big advocate of, of all. Okay. Right then, Alan, thanks for um, sharing your kind of three key, key ways there um, to high quality remote learning, raising attainment. Eh, what am I talking about? No raising attainment. Hopefully raising attainment at the end of it. Um, <laughs> access issues and meet, meeting the needs and then differentiation. I don't know about you, Lewis, but I've already learned something already. Um, yeah. I think I do three out of the four things that he was talking about there. Mm-hmm. And I don't put up planning worksheets and spider diagrams. I've um, opportunity plan, so that's something I'm thinking away already. I've started to make use of the because our, our authority uses Microsoft Teams, <clears throat> so I've started to put up um, using like it's a collaborative space you can use with the notebook, um, the notebook function in Teams. So I've just been putting up like some of the pupils like some model answers that are maybe worth like one mark and stuff, so that the pupils can access it and see like maybe how to structure an answer for how the factors impact performance for national fives or how to structure like a describe question, things like that. Um, but very much just experimenting with at this stage. I've not done any CPD on it or that, but it looks, it's, it's a space that they can all access and they can go on and, and see it. Yeah. Um, so, but I heard, a thing, I heard a thing as well, you can give v- verbal feedback. Like, I, I've not tried it yet, but you can do verbal feedback as well as written feedback on yeah, yeah, it's it's a tool. It's kind of under accessibility, is what we would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Microsoft and Google are, are both great um, in, in these things. So there's um, text to speech and mm-hmm. speech to text um, on on kind of Google platforms and Microsoft platforms. So um, if I was grading a piece of work, for example, maybe reading through um, a paragraph on describe how a factor impacted in performance. Um, instead of having to type out the feedback, which can sometimes be a little bit um, laborious, um, especially if you've got a class of 30 or so, um, you can actually just use the, the speech-to-text function. So you mm-hmm. hold down a key, and then whatever you say, um, it would type it straight into the document for you, and it's a really, really efficient and, and time-saving way of, of making feedback. And you can also use it for actually creating your worksheets and things as well. Um, I've used it a few times, uh, more so on the, on the side of giving feedback for, for homeworks and things like that, and it's really good. But and it's even been all right with a Scottish accent, eh? 
Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> um, it, it works really well. It picks it up really good. Sometimes you need to speak just a little bit slower, um, <laughs> but it does it does pick up most most of what you're saying. Um, and I think it's really really good, especially the text to speech function is really good for maybe young people who have got additional support needs and maybe mm-hmm. need um, where in school they would maybe have a support assistant with them or they would maybe have access to some some enhanced supports. Um, while they're at home, they can use the speech. So a text-to-speech function, so they would highlight a piece of text on a worksheet or a slide or, or so, um, and they can then press press the button and it would actually speak it back to Brilliant. them. So if they maybe get some trouble reading things and maybe find that a bit difficult. Ah, that's a really good point because we, see on the Microsoft Forms, it actually has that. So it just I think it just reads it out in like the kind of your Siri type voice. Um, yeah. And it's got like the wee audio bit, so I, I've never even thought about that. So that's a really, really good pointer. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We've we've kind of made use of that a few times for young people who have got additional support needs in, in our classes, or we've even got a, a, a full additional support needs department in Lanark Grammar School as well. So yeah. um, we've we've made use of, of that for a number of different lessons. Sometimes even when we've been in school between August and December, we, we were using it as well. Um, and, and the children have found it really, really useful. But I would imagine even more so now if they're at home where they don't maybe have the support assistant standing beside them or they don't have the teacher to ask and, and they're a little bit lost, they can use that function quite simply mm-hmm. and, and it can really help them out. Oh, that's good well, to know. Speed it up a bit and make it more efficient, which always helps. Um, just, just, when you're, just when I'm thinking about this, um, Alan, see, potentially if you need to do the portfolio through um, Google Classroom, there's like an extension for like a timed response. I don't know if you know this, the answer to this, but I was going to see if I could somehow, you can't download the extension through the Glow account. It's like blocked. You know how you deal with that? I kind of got yeah. off topic here, but... No, that's, that's okay. Um, so obviously, all of our stuff within South Lancashire is, is housed within the Glow platform. So we've got access to Google Classroom, Google Drive, Microsoft Teams, everything, all within the Glow platform. And it keeps it all really secure, safe, um, but obviously in that um, South Lancashire have, have put certain restrictions on things as well so that they can keep quite a close eye um, and, and quite, kind of quite tight rein on, on what the pupils and what the staff can access it purely obviously should just be for educational purposes and, and that's why some of those restrictions are in there so a lot of the, the Chrome extensions you'll find you won't be able to download in school um, or even if you're at home um, you might not be able to download them using your school account as well because the restrictions apply to that. Um, there are some that, that are allowed but, but there's there's many, many that are that are not. Um, and I know that the, the council are looking at some of these that might make our lives as staff a little bit more efficient and obviously the ones who, that might help pupils um, as well but um, that that's going to be quite a slow rollout if, if they actually do decide to kind of make any of them available, unfortunately. Right, no worries, that's fine. Right, so there's a lot of um, people that listen to this, a wide variety of people, sorry, listen to the podcast from like student teachers through to experienced teachers. Um, could you talk us through the process of setting up the classroom? Um, delivering it, you spoke a bit about that there, um, how you make it interactive. And then one thing you've ever not touched on is how do you evaluate its effectiveness with your national class, for example, just for anyone who's lacking confidence in uh, online learning? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, as as I just alluded to a little bit before, um, in South Lancashire Council, where, where I work, um, we are in quite a privileged position. We are, we are allowed to use both Google for Education and Microsoft products. I know that some authorities have made the choice between either or, um, which is 
good in some respects, but also limiting in, in others. So we're in quite a, a fortunate position where our council has allowed his use of both. Um, <clears throat> I think across the authority, it's quite well versed that many schools are using Google Classroom as the platform for their online learning environment, their, their kind of virtual classroom, if you will. Um, I know that other councils are, are slightly different. Um, Lewis, you said that your your council makes use more of Microsoft Teams, um, mm-hmm. and I think there's it's it's, it's a preference um, within staff within councils. But I know that for for many staff within SLC, um, Google Classroom is the kind of go to for the online learning environment. So. Um, we would we would access this firstly through Glow. We've all got a Glow username and password. We would we can access it obviously from anywhere at any time. Um, so you go in through that portal using your credentials, where you can then access Google Classroom, Google Drive, Microsoft Teams, uh, Scholar, and and lots and lots of other um, very very useful tiles and, and products, um, which South Lancashire Council have, have poured a lot of money into. So in order to set up your classroom first, which um, many of us have had to do in, in recent times, um, you would open up your, your Google Classroom tile um, and, and then you can use the plus icon up in the top right to, to create up a class. So you would give it a name, um, you would maybe give it a subject and then you, you create it. And then when you go in, you'll, you'll be the only person in the class at that time. So obviously a, a next step to take would be to invite your students and invite your pupils into the class. So there's a couple of different ways that you can do this. Um, you can do it by inviting them in using their email address. You can do it by bulk importing them, um, which is a new function that's only been um, kind of authorised in, in the last year or so. Um, but really, really handy instead of having to individually invite everybody. I, it, that's time consuming. So the, the use of the bulk upload has been really good. And you can access that through Management Console on the, the Glow platform. Um, something that I quite like to do, it's maybe more of a personal choice, but whenever I'm... Um, kind of talking to anybody about setting up a classroom or in any of the how-to videos that we've created. Um, I always try and encourage staff to make it a bit more um, pupil-friendly and, and kind of learning environment-friendly, so to speak. So by putting a, head, a header image up at the top, something that maybe reflects your subject. Um, for us, obviously, in PE, there's a bunch of sporty-type header banner um, things mm-hmm. um, that, that just make it a little bit more welcoming and, and a little bit more subject-specific. I also like to have have my kind of teacher's picture there, so I've got a wee bit moji um, of myself, something that I think represents the way I look fairly well. Um, some people <laughs> say my beard. <laughs> some people say my beard is a bit longer than that. I don't know. But um, well, this was I on that the other day, wasn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Spent ages doing it. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think that's really important because. You're, you're trying to welcome young people in an environment where you want them to be motivated, want them to engage in your subject. And one of the big things from a teacher's point of view is their personality and their character. That's really, really hard to try and bring that across on an online platform when you're, you're at distance from your pupils. So I think these small things might seem um, irrelevant sometimes to us and they might seem like that's not actually teaching the child anything. But I firmly believe that if you set up your Google Classroom really well and you make it inviting and warm and almost give you a little bit of your personality to that classroom then, then psychologically for stead. sure yeah it's going to stand you in good stead and hopefully that's going to help your, your students engage with you a little bit more which is something we're all we're mm-hmm. all tackling just now is trying mm-hmm. to get that engagement up as, as much as we can see we yeah, so um see, see, we, see the header oh have you go read it out then what is that no, I need to get one. I think. All right. <laughs> um, no, see, see for the I know from I don't know what Google Classrooms like, but for Microsoft Teams, if you have to do it, see just adding the pupils in just by their email address on the Teams app. 
<laughs> see if you've got a John Smith in your class, you're sat there for about two hours <laughs> trying to find out the one that is for your school. But then that's it's a good point. So if you go into the Glow um, tile for Microsoft Teams and you go, what was it you said that you do? You click on... You can go to Management Console. Management so, Console. Aye, and then it's yeah. all the pupils in your school, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's so much what easier. I, yeah, what, what I've found myself doing in recent times when obviously you've got so many of these Google Classrooms to set up is going on to the Management Console and you can actually filter the pupils. So it's, it's everybody in your, your school. It's all linked via Seamus mm-hmm. as well. So it's everybody in your school and you can filter it to... Uh, year groups you can filter it to house groups you can also filter it to my teaching groups so for example when I was creating my national google classroom just at the start of the year I just went on to the glow platform management console which is one of the three options at the top um, and then changed the filter from all students to my teaching group so that's what that's my teaching group mm-hmm. and then gave me a list of um, all the classes that are on my timetable this year and I just found the one that was a national class. And if you go to the side, I think it's the right-hand side, you've got a button called Actions. And if you click on that, one of the options in there is Create Google Classroom. So mm-hmm. instead of having to mm-hmm. um, invite everybody individually using an email, you just go there. Um, and assuming that obviously your, your Seamus is up to date, yeah. um, then you can just, that's what I mean by the bulk upload. You can just click the button. It makes the classroom for you. It invites all the students in. And then from there, you can you can change your banner or change the name of it or whatever it is and do your customization. But it's a real, real time saver. Absolutely. It's something that we all, we all need just now. Aye, that's what I would um, strongly advise you to do if you're just learning to set up a, an online classroom. Maybe if you're a student teacher of that, going out learning to set up an online classroom, do it through Glow because, uh, uh, well, they, have, they, they may not have Glow accounts for their school at that stage, but... Um, no. it it, well, it, I know it, that in SLC we, we all use Glow. Um, mm. I'm not sure, not too sure about other, other authorities um, yeah. who, who might not use that. But yeah, like you said, it's a complete time saver. She could spend hours trying to find those pupils. <laughs> all about saving time. Um, so just lastly then, just to finish off that question, about the value and effectiveness. Have you done any surveys with your classes or had any interaction with how things are going? I know that we're only 10 days in, I'm putting you on the spot there, but... <laughs> no, not at all. I've, I've, um, I've, I've used the, the Google products for a wee while now. I've maybe used them for two or three years, um, just dipping in and out with different things. Obviously, used them a lot heavier now than, than I have previously. Um, and in terms of um, kind of evaluating the effectiveness of it, I think that's a real key part of obviously my development as a member of staff and my understanding of the, the Google products as well as obviously the, the remote learning experience. Um, so I've used obviously just kind of simple things um, like comments, whether it be in the class or in, in the physical classroom, how did you find this, what did you like about that? Um, but more more specifically recently we've used um, one of the tools called Google Forms. Mm-hmm. So um, basically it's a, a kind of questionnaire style tool where you can you can set it up to provide multiple choice answers checkbox answers short response long response but you send out the link and and it kind of collates all responses onto a spreadsheet for you which is which is ideal so <clears throat> i've found myself putting a few of these out just really short sharp ones um, just to find out things from within the pe class or i've, I've also kind of worked on them on a, on a whole school basis i made reference to we had as a school um looked at our kind of digital practice as a, as a school 
after lockdown one and kind of part of collating that feedback from pupils and parents and staff was through the use of Google Forms. So we, we kind of posted them as links and emails to, to staff and they completed it. Or I think we got every S1 to S3 child um, came out of PSE for 20 minutes and, and completed the, the form at some point. And then it's just a case of obviously analyzing, breaking down that data. But the really good thing about Forms and, and um, Google Sheets, which is the equivalent of Microsoft Excel, mm -hmm. is that these things are really, really easy to filter and really, really user-friendly. So it was a case of just putting some filters on to find out, um, like on a scale of one to 10, how many children put that they were, they were only engaging online um, between one and three, for example, and we can easily pull that out. Um, and then, as I said, that helped us reference a little bit more about who needed a device, who needed access to the internet, who needed um, a little bit more encouragement to engage online, um, and things like that as well. So from a kind of class teacher point of view, really, really useful tool would be would be Google Forms to try and bring in some of that information about your practice and to find out if it's working for your students. And I think old school style of um, listening to your students, um, listening to their feedback on the comments um, and just giving them that, that chance to actually be listened to, as always, is, is really important. That pupil voice sense is really important to try and help make sure that what it is you're trying to deliver is being delivered and, and also received. Um, because sometimes as, as teachers, we can think we're doing the right thing um, and we can be putting out what we believe to be right, but the, the student might not be getting it. Um, mm -hmm. So we need to just try and find a, a compromise in there somewhere. So definitely lots of different ways, but the one, I, the one I've found most useful would be, would be Google Forms. That's good. Sounds as if Google Forms gives you the overview of the class and then through the comments you can get more individual feedback. Sounds good. Um, yep. I still use uh, the spreadsheet you made me on probation year for the, the trips. Remember the trips down south? <laughs> you, put all the form, you put all the formulas in for me. I've been using that for five years, remember it? I do, I do, yeah. You're making that's me sound brilliant. you make me sound a bit geeky here, but yeah, that's fine. I do I do love a spreadsheet and for those who know me they, they know I love a spreadsheet as well, so it's all good. <laughs> I've just refamiliarised myself how to put in some of the formulas and that this year. It's they're so easy because I was trying to keep track of this wee like homework teams thing that I was doing in one of my classes and I was doing it on Microsoft Word. I was having to add up the points and do it all manually and it was just taking me forever. And then now I literally just do it in the spreadsheet. As soon as I change a number, it just adds up to the total and all that and it's just brilliant. Yeah, well, as a, as a, a little aside to that, then, <laughs> if, if you are finding that you're, 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 you don't know some of the, the formulas, um, they can be quite tricky to remember or quite confusing, but the Google Sheets, which is, as I said, the equivalent of Microsoft Excel, mm -hmm. there's a button up the top that you can click and it gives you a drop down of, of all the formulas um, and it tells you what you can use them for as well, so you can just literally click it. And it puts the formula in for you and, and kind of auto-completes, which is, again, an absolute time saver. Yeah, it's brilliant. There you go. You'll be able to put your calculator in. <laughs> yeah, and get rid of my abacus. That's what I was using. <laughs> 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 no, that's, that's um, really useful information there, Alan. So, I guess, putting it succinctly then, what are your key do's and don'ts when teaching online? I suppose you've kind of spoke about your, your do's. Have you got anything else? And have you got, more importantly, kind of things you should stay clear of? Sure, sure. So I think, kind of as we alluded to at the start then, I would imagine that there's a lot of teachers who, who may be listening to this or, or who might be out there who will be really, really worried and, and a bit anxious about how to deliver just now, um, given the fact that we've, been all, we've all been thrust into to remote learning. And some people have more understanding and, and experience with using digital tech within education than others. Um, but I think 
my kind of keys, my key do's and don'ts. Firstly, would be do share teaching resources. We 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 sometimes get a little bit precious about our teaching resources, um, and I know that I've been there in the past for sure. Um, you feel you've you've spent time making something, and you don't just want to give it give it away for free. Um, but this this community that we've got as as educators, we're all trying to do the very very same thing, and we're all just trying our best for the children and the parents in our communities. And there's no point in every single person recreating the same document or, or creating us up lots of different versions. So I would definitely say the first key key do is uh, share teaching resources. And I know that um, Google Drive, for example, is a wonderful way of sharing resources. There's a function in there called Shared Drive. So basically, um, the three of us, for example, we could we could have a shared drive where if I was to drop something into a folder, um, Lewis, Clark, both of you guys would, would have access to that and you can take it and use it, print it, upload it to your classroom, whatever it may be, you can edit it. Um, and that's been a really, really key resource for our PE department and obviously um, developing resources quickly, efficiently, and then getting them up <coughs> onto the online learning environment because without that, we would all have we would have all had to have been doing the same thing repeated 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 mm -hmm. whereas we've now got members of staff who are taking the lead on the first year bg stuff we've got members of staff who are taking the lead on the second year and, and so on and so forth um and then it's just a case of efficiency doesn't it yeah yeah absolutely we, we don't none of us have got time really to waste just now and i think being efficient is a really big thing but sharing resources there's there's nothing better than working collaboratively with your your colleagues and i don't even just mean within your own school i know that on twitter i know you guys use twitter a lot and, and so they are and i think that's a wonderful online community for sharing resources and i know that i've um taken a couple of things from twitter where i've i've seen something I've, and i've messaged the person and, and got them to email me and they've always said yes and mm -hmm. likewise if i've created something and somebody's emailed me for it i've, I've emailed it back to them and i think that's a really, really wor uh, worthwhile and, and useful place to, to share resources and to get ideas. And if you don't have an educational Twitter account just now, I would highly recommend that you do get one and you try and just follow as many people as you can within the sector. The, the PE realm on Twitter is, is massive. It's incredible. Uh, as, yeah. As Even as all the teachers from England and all that as well. Like, you've got, I follow, yeah. follow all these just like random PE people, but like they're from down south and... Like they're always sharing loads of fantastic resources and I think the lockdown as well has really brought everybody together. Oh, Certainly PE teachers, like that has been one thing that I've noticed massively. Mm -hmm. Even like on Teams, you've got like the SAP page, you've got like we were doing like a wee practitioner inquiry thing. Um, and there was other, like we've got our own one for five council as well for PE resources. Um, so it's been great, the whole like sharing practice and what um, all the different schools are doing and what different yeah. teachers are doing. It's great. Yeah, I think I think that's really really key, and I would I would definitely have that in there as my kind of top thing to to definitely do. Um, secondly, I think definitely use use digital technology as one tool within your toolkit. I know that obviously just now it's quite a main tool, um, but obviously when we go, when we do go back to the physical classroom. The, all the digital work that people have undertaken will not be lost and I think it's really key to remember that that there's probably quite a kind of shift in paradigm in education happening just now where we're all learning how to teach online and learn online and people, staff, parents, everybody and when we go back to the physical classroom I don't think it should be a case of we lose all that and we revert back I think we will need to change with the times and I, I do expect the world to be slightly different when we go back to whatever normal will, will look like but <clears throat> I think that you should always remember that the, the digital stuff is only one one asset in your toolbox. And while it's a really main one just now, 
don't forget about all the other things that, that make you a teacher and, and that you've developed over the last however many years it is that you've been teaching. Um, some people can get a bit wrapped up in, in this is this is the way and I'm going to use this all the time um, and even as a, a big advocate of online things and, and all things Google so to speak I definitely think that it's only one one aspect of my my personality and character as a teacher and there'll be lessons or even weeks where, where I don't use anything um, within it maybe because the the children in front of me it's not it's not right for them or the time doesn't suit or whatever I'm trying to, to deliver um, it can be delivered in a better way so making use of of the digital tools when you need to I think is definitely something to do um, but don't just rule it as, as one um, and it shouldn't it shouldn't really replace any existing pedagogy either it should be just something that you've added to, to your your toolkit for sure <clears throat> um, and thirdly uh, things to do I would definitely start with what you know um, my kind of journey on, on this Google path has stemmed over the last couple of years probably since 2018 or so um, I mentioned going to the, the kind of seminar over at Kathkin at the start of the podcast and Definitely that's where a lot of my inspiration came from and, and it kind of ignited that fire with using the, the Google Classroom stuff, um, Google for Education tools. And I would definitely say to anybody out there who's worried or, or stressed about delivering remotely, um, st start simple, start with what you know, start something small um, and, and do that really, really well. Um, as we always kind of say, quality over quantity is always much better. So <clears throat> do something small, do something you're comfortable with, ask for help if you're not too sure. Get on, get on the Google for Education page and, and start the, the level one training. It's free, firstly, which is wonderful. Um, it's always all helps. always helps. Um, it's broken down into really manageable chunks, which is wonderful. You can stop and start as you please. You can do it over however long you want. And you don't have to take the exam at the end of it if you don't want. By the end of it, if you if you want to get your accreditation and, and get your badge and kind of move on to level two, then, then you can. But there's a lot of staff in, in our school just now who have went through the Google for Education level one training um, and, and they're quite happy. They now know how to do most of the basics for Google Classroom. They're, they're now delivering online, they're comfortable, um, they're confident, they're getting engagement and they're really, really chuffed with that. Um, so I would say that, if, again, if you're, you're not too sure, then definitely do go and seek out some, some CLPL um, and, and kind of find it. And a good place to start would probably be the, the Google for Education Fundamentals Training, I'm sure it's called. Um, that would be a, a good, good place to go. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the, the Microsoft version is also there, I will say that, which is which is equally as good. And there's also the Apple Teacher training. Mm -hmm. If you use um, maybe iPads and things specifically, I know that you guys at Calder Sidecart, you use iPads. Yeah. So the, the Apple Teacher stuff is, is good. And again, um, all free, all can be broken down into manageable chunks and, and really, really useful. To, um, so definitely recommend to do if you haven't done so already. I think just going back a step as well, with regards to sharing resources, I think it's something we've definitely done more of in lockdown, but something that we could push a lot more. And really, as you said, even though, not just within your school, like across authority as well and across the country, I think yep. it, we could all benefit from more of that. I think it's been better, but could develop further. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the PE fraternity is, is always very active on Twitter and online and everybody is mm -hmm. very keen to share. It's just about, obviously, how do you share effectively and, and how is there a kind of one place that might be worthwhile creating up a, a kind of shared Google Drive or there's probably already something on, along those lines out there somewhere and, and just obviously keep adding to it and expanding it um, and, and kind of making everybody's life a bit easier during, during this time. So I've got a couple of uh, don'ts or things that I would recommend that you don't do. Um, 
So, as I've kind of alluded to earlier, don't forget about the, the personality that you as a teacher brings to the classroom. Um, that's uh, something that a lot of young people respond really well to. And a lot of the time when you ask a young person, maybe 10, 15 years after they've, they've left school, um, and, and you say, what do you remember? They would, they would probably remember a specific teacher for some reason, and it might have been the way they taught, their humour, the, the way they delivered their lessons, but they always remember, the, or usually anyway, one of the first things that somebody remembers from school is a particular member of staff for whatever reason, and that's mainly attributed to their, their character and, and their attitude. So um, I would definitely try and say, don't forget about the personality that you bring to a classroom. So use your webcam or your audio when you can, um, and if you feel comfortable enough to, to get you seen, get you visible, um, and let, let the people see you. See, um, see, just touching on that, sorry to interrupt, but see like even something I would, I would add in that, if you, I'm sorry if you were going to cover this, but see like even when you're giving feedback to the pupils, like I think it can be so easy just to sound like a robot and just like, write back something and we like absolutely no personality no humor in it whatsoever so i think it's important meanwhile keeping it professional but still having like a wee bit of banter with the kids almost like if they post something yeah. on the wall on the google classroom or the teams page then you can i think it's all right to have a wee a laugh with them like write a wee a funny comment back and obviously still mm -hmm. answering a question or whatever but still showing your personality through it i think that's mm -hmm. important because i think they'll get a wee laugh at that and they'll appreciate that almost yeah, yeah, I think obviously as, as long as you're staying kind of within that realm of professionalism, yeah, which we all need to be, we all need to be careful of when we're online. Um, I think that bringing that humour and bringing that sense of personality to your classes is really important. And as you were saying there, Lewis, about when you're maybe like marking um, or giving feedback, um, something that, that I've learned uh, recently to try and use a little bit more is a, an, a Chrome extension called Screencastify. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you have heard of that before, but yeah, it's, um, well. it's, it's, it's a, a Google kind of based product that links in with Google really well. But if you if you've got your little kind of tab up in the, the top right on your Chrome browser, so if you're online and you've got your work up, if you just click that and then click start recording, you can have your, your webcam on, you can have your audio, and instead of typing your feedback, you can just make a quick 30 second, one minute video. And one of the good things about Screencastify is it links to your Google Drive. Right. Right. So, right. Actually, I've um, never used it for feedback. That's good. Yeah. So, just use it for the lessons. Yeah. So, uh, think of it just on that on that flip side that once the mm. homework is back into Google Classroom, you can have that on the screen in the background. Use your Screencastify. Make up a wee thirty second, one minute video, whatever it is. And then, as I said, the good thing about that is that it's uh, links and connects directly into your Google Drive. So, mm -hmm. as soon as you press stop, another tab will appear, and it gives you the off uh, the option also to to edit your video. So maybe if, if there's a wee bit of the in the middle or at the start end that you wanted to get rid of, you can easily do that. And then, as soon as it's in your Google Drive, you can just then upload that straight into your Google Classroom to that specific pupil as well. You don't have to upload it to the to the full class. Obviously, if it's feedback, it's more personal. So you can just send it to that specific pupil. But I've used that a couple of times, um, more so with the national um, in the kind of higher groups where, where feedback is is a little bit more more required on the theory side of things. Like a whole class group, but a feedback that would be good. Like if you're as a couple, because today when I was marking, for example, there was three or four that didn't maybe answer the question properly. So I suppose you could do it for three or four kids and then just attach it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Save, save you time. 
Yep, absolutely. Um, a really kind of easy way, and, and again, you get you get a free account. You can have five minutes of recording time for free, and you can have unlimited video recording um, like numbers. You can record as many videos as you want, but you only do get five minutes for, for free. If you want the paid version, I think it's like twenty seven pound for the year if you wish, or if you're a if you're a Google trainer, you get it for free. <laughs> oh well, definitely get on that course now. There you go. There's a wee incentive to, <laughs> incentive. to get on there. Sometimes, sometimes you just need that. Just that little bit extra. Um, the last well, maybe the last kind of two things that I would say for don't do is don't overthink your content um, when we're standing up in front of a class of course we make mistakes sometimes or, or we forget something or we, we go off, off topic and, and we kind of ad lib a little bit um, I would definitely say don't overthink your content a lot of staff get a little bit worried when they're saying I need to make a video and they'll maybe sit and record it so many times over because they want it to be perfect but what they need to remember is that if that had been real life, it probably wouldn't have been perfect. And that's what, again, one of the things that make you a teacher. So um, obviously a little bit of practice at the start to, to get you used to it is really important, but try not to overthink it and, and just kind of go go for it um, and let it come out as you. Um, don't don't over plan. Um, and the last thing would be just don't be, don't be put off by thinking that you have to remake existing resources. So again, a lot of staff, especially from our school, when we first came into this, we're thinking that they've already made a, a Microsoft Word document and they've had that printed and it was put into their class um, when we were in school physically. Now that we're on Google Classroom, I'm going to have to remake that on a Google platform. Um, that's, that's not the case at all. Um, really, really easy to either just upload that particular document to your class, um, depending on what it is you want the children to do with it, or... Google's actually really capable of transforming it into a Google version at the click of a button. You just go to file and then save as Google Doc or Google Slide or whatever it be, and it actually just transforms it into that file format for you. So don't be put off by thinking that you would have to remake your content or remake stuff that, that you've used maybe for, for years. Um, it would just be a case of clicking two buttons at the max to, to try and transform it. Love that message about don't overthink things because that's uh, really resonates with I think me and you, Clark, for doing this podcast because well I get the the, the joys of editing the podcast after it so um, the editing time has got significantly smaller as we've kind of went through it because <laughs> we're just like who cares if there's like a pause or if you you make a wee mistake or it's an, the odd like hum and haw here and there do you know what I mean like it's it just keeps sounds it, it, uh, it keeps it authentic and I think that's a really really key message to to put out there because you see like I've even seen like on Twitter like primary teachers and all that putting up videos of their bloopers and stuff and like that must take them ages to sit and get it perfect <laughs> like who cares man like you're yeah. still getting it you're still getting the message out there do you know what I mean because there's yeah. more there's more emphasis on that live lessons I think from the primary teachers isn't there which I think that takes you on quite nicely your next question Liz it certainly does thanks for that <laughs> 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 right then so what's um your opinion then, Alan, on live lessons versus posting narrated PowerPoints? I think I think both bring a wonderful dimension, if I'm being honest, to, to learning um, and teaching. And I think they can both be valuable. Um, again, it kind of depends where you're at as a member of staff and, and obviously the children that are in front of you, what, what you want it to do for them. Um, in my personal opinion, I think a live lesson where a young person can, can kind of drop in and interact on a live basis with you would, would definitely swing swing it more for me um, between those two. Um, I think it offers an exciting chance to bring your personality in there a bit more, to have a bit more interaction with the children. And 
I know that for me anyway, that's one of the main reasons that I got into teaching was because I really enjoy standing up in front of a group of people, um, leading, teaching, listening to feedback, overcoming challenges. And I think having that online platform where the, the children can either be in the, the Google Meet, for example, or, or the Microsoft Teams session, whatever it may be, but they can be there and they can ask questions either in the chat or they can ask it on their webcam or, or just on the audio, but they're actually live and, and engage within the lesson as they would be in the physical classroom. I think that for me is, is a really exciting prospect. And obviously in this day and age with the technology, it's wonderful that we can do that. Um, however, the narrated PowerPoint, is is definitely something that is up there as as a, a great tool that can be used and i know that i've used that even even as early as this week um, for for a couple of my classes where i'm putting up some theory content i don't want it to be too dry um, especially if it's maybe a bge class where they're not used to doing theory um, in that kind of um, environment where it's, it's very kind of or there's no practical activity so to speak um, so try and make it a little bit more engaging. I think definitely the, the narrated PowerPoint is, is useful, but on a personal level for me, the, the live lesson is, is definitely the way forward and it's definitely um, it's important, I think, that, that we as educators, if, if we're going to be in this lockdown for a long time to come or even in further lockdowns, I think it's really important that we, we get the policies in place. I think it's really important that the, the technology is behind us. I know that in South Lanarkshire, there's a bit of debate just now about what functions will, will still be available in the, in the near future within the G Suite um, platform. And I know there's many members of staff who are working really hard to try and keep um, some things that are, are there already, because um, I think we're of the opinion that they might be getting taken off as, um, soon. But I think it's really important that technology companies, as, as well as obviously that the councils listen to, to how important that sort of live interaction between a pupil and a, and a teacher is. Um, there's, there's nothing quite like it. Mm -hmm. I still got a burning question there, and then it can be answered straight away. You know what I mean? Just like you're in in the classroom as well, which is sometimes a bit more effective than it might. They might forget about it, or um, they might not even have the the enthusiasm to even type and email you a question or something like that. So it's always good to, I suppose, have that live interaction. But I also think that the for those pupils that are maybe afraid to answer out in class or ask a question, I think online learning provides a, an absolutely fantastic platform for that because I had pupils that have emailed me who would never ever ask out like in one of my national five classes would never ever ask out um and she emailed me some really really good questions relating to one of the assignments it would set for them so I think that's a an absolute positive if anything it takes um, away that social judgment side of it doesn't it yeah for sure but I think over the last week slightly often a different spin on it uh, Alan my live lesson didn't go to too well, there wasn't any, any engagement in terms of um, in the chat box or it was more, I was going over like announcements and stuff and then getting, try to get feedback from them, but they weren't saying anything, but I don't think I should give up there because it's only one. You've, you've actually made me reflect on it because I, yeah. I, I, would, I, would, I would have said posting related PowerPoints is better, but mm -hmm. then that's just because that's what, what I've been using, but I think I need to keep going at it. It's probably a culture thing, you need to build it and then get everybody used to it, but I've not really got that buy-in yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think if, if somebody had said to me this time last year that I would be delivering a, a live lesson from, I'm in my kind of spare bedroom just now, I've set up as an office, that I would be setting, I would be delivering a live lesson to 30 children and they would all be sitting at their, their dining room table in their living room or out in the porch or wherever it might be and, and tuning in from there, I would be thinking, oof, no, 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 um, no. that's, that's not going to work. Step, I could go one step further and say I don't think I would be 
sitting in my spare room on a podcast to you and Lewis talking about it. <laughs> exactly. So I think the the word you mentioned there was was culture, and I think we need to give we need to give the young people as well as obviously we're giving staff that time to to, to digest to understand how they're going to get their learning out there. Um, we need to give the children that wee bit of time as well to to get used to this new way of learning because mm-hmm. inevitably it is. It's, they're very much used to coming to school, listening for the bell, being directed a lot of the time um, through instruction by, by a member of staff um, and having that safety net, if you will, of the member of staff in the class where they, if they get stuck, they can just ask a question and it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. Whereas just now, on a remote basis, there's a lot more independence required. There's a lot more self-motivation required. There's flexibility and family routines required as well, um, which are all, all considerations that education needs to make just now. Um, but I think in terms of that live lesson, I know there's a number of members of staff in, in our school um, who are a bit worried about doing that because they're not used to presenting that way. And like you said, what, what happens if you get a class online that doesn't give you any feedback or doesn't give you any engagement? It's really difficult to see if what you're saying, is that right? Is that working? Should I be changing it? Um, it would be kind of like standing up at an assembly or standing up in front of a class with your back to the class or with your eyes closed and mm-hmm. delivering. You wouldn't be getting any sort of response back from them in order to adapt what it is you're delivering. So I definitely think that kind of what we had to that earlier is that we're all learning something new just now. We need to persevere. We need to try different things. We need to be listening to our students. So I wouldn't give up um, after that live lesson. I think yeah. you've got, you maybe have some children in there who might have wanted to say something, but might have just been a wee bit apprehensive. Um, just to, I would maybe build that confidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think so it's almost like when you get to class for the first time, you stand up and sometimes you ask a question, you know what it's like, nobody says anything. So I suppose it could just be similar to that. Um, yeah. yeah. They would have to put themselves, they would have to put themselves out there as well. I mean, if there's a class of maybe a group of 20 pupils and somebody needs to come on camera, even without saying anything, somebody needs to come on camera, that for a lot of young people can be quite a daunting thing. Um, for staff as well, that can be a daunting yeah. thing. Um, some some people to speak out in front of that number of people where, where everybody's kind of watching you, um, that can be quite a daunting thing as well. So again, just that, that idea of culture and that idea of giving them a chance to get used to used to it is mm-hmm. for sure something that, that we need to take on board. But definitely don't give up. Keep keep at it, and I'm sure you I'm sure you'll get the engagement at some point. Hopefully, um, but ideally ideally I would I would. Um you know, love to deliver the lively, live, live lesson. I think that would have more of an impact because you can show more of your personality and your character and get ideas closer to what it would be like back in school. Um, but do you have any, I'm just thinking like, if I'm having those problems for anybody that's listening. If you if you get any tips, like I know some people have been coming on and asking them to say hi in the chat box. Like, how do you, how do you work it to get, how would you advise me to get a full class on interacting live? Do you have any? Sort of tips for that. Put you on the spot again. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. That's <laughs> totally fine. Um. But I think you're you're asking me as if as if I've got all the answers, which unfortunately I I do not, and I'm in very much the similar situation as to what you guys and most of the country are in just now. Albeit I mm-hmm. might have a little bit more knowledge on the Google side of things, but yeah. I think a challenge that we're constantly faced with just now is how do we get teenagers and young people um, and how do we get them engaged in, online? When How do we get them out of their bed and on a computer? Having a welcome screen, I think, is really important. Um, Lewis, as you said earlier, the, the kind of virtual Bitmoji classroom type idea. Um, I've seen that floating about Twitter recently, which for a welcome screen can be quite engaging and quite exciting. 
um, something that I've used at, at Lanark is quite simply the, the title of the class, um, kind of the, the content for today, the kind of topic, if you will, um, and then maybe just a, a kind of a little picture of the school logo, and but also saying please mute your microphone and camera. Um, we will begin shortly. Just something kind of so that they, when they're coming in, they can see that somebody else is there and they've put something. They're in the right place. That's really good, right? Okay, mm -hmm. um, that's that's really important. Um, I think making use of the hands up function um, within Google Meet, um, I think Microsoft Teams has got a similar version, um, but making sure of your expectations at the start of the session, saying that if you've got a question, then either please type it into the chat at the side and telling them explicitly the steps that you would need to do that, um, but also saying that you can use the, the hand up function um, during it. I think that's really, really good, um, and I've, I've used that a few times, and I know a number of members of staff have, have used it as well. Um, and then also, something that I, I seen the other day on, on Twitter was that during the, during the meet session, at some point, the, the staff member would say a, a kind of memorable phrase, if you will. Um, it had nothing to do with the learning topic, but it was a memorable phrase that unless the, the people watched or engaged with the session, they wouldn't know what it was. And then he actually asked it in the worksheet that was attached. Um, so it was that was quite useful in, in kind of getting them engaged and kind of saying, right, I know if you were there or if you were paying attention or not. Um, and that, that was quite funny. And I, and I thought, you know, I'm maybe going to try that at some point. That's a great idea. How, how many people are actually engaged in the screen and, and listening or how many have logged in but maybe are a way to make a cup of tea <laughs> um, so that's something know. definitely I'm going to try in the next little while I think um, kind of what you've just touched on there Alan then kind of leads nicely into the next question you've kind of covered quite a bit there um, in relation to how to build kind of pupil confidence online because I guess that's what your issue kind of boils down to Clark is confidence really isn't it they're in an, an unfamiliar environment and you're sitting there expecting them to, to answer questions or to ask questions. And um, I guess that just boils down to confidence and just being unfamiliar with what they're doing. So how do you build, have you got any other tips on how you would kind of build pupil parent confidence when kind of teaching online or through this whole remote learning? Have you got your parents on? Sorry, Alan, just before you, is your parents all in Google Classroom as well? Now you can invite the guardians. Yeah, yeah. That so that's, that's something that uh, SLC have only authorised just in the last, year and obviously in, in response to parents taking more of a, a kind of prime role within the, the young person's learning they want to be getting more updates and more insight into what's happening in, in Google Classroom um, parents nights obviously and things are, are not taking places regularly now or, or if at all so um, Google Classroom Guardian summary emails is, is something that we as a school are now using so every week the, the parent gets uh, automated response for their child, for all their Google Classrooms. It's, it's all contained in one email. Um, it's no extra work for the teacher. It's just an automated response every Friday and it breaks it down into what the child has been assigned this week, what's still outstanding, what's missing, um, and also what, what has, um, what's been marked as well. So the, uh, the parent can get a real insight into maybe if their, their child's not been engaging um, at all, which is really, really handy. We've had really positive feedback about that 
already. Um, so that's a good way then to build their confidence by giving them that. Uh, definitely for, mm. for parents' confidence, I think keeping them in the loop, that's a really important thing. Parents like to, to be in the loop with their child's education. A lot of them are invested in parents' night, report cards. They like to be able to have that um, communication with school where they can maybe phone up, um, speaking maybe from a pupil support point of view. I can definitely, um, I can definitely attribute that to, to increasing parents' confidence. So regarding some of the emails, is something that's only recently been um, given given to us and something that we've just recently implemented so we're hoping that it is going to have quite a dramatic and profound effect with the, the parents confidence um, other other things that we're, we're looking to do in the, the near future is upskilling the parents a little bit more in, in how to use Google Classroom and how to use Google Drive and all the different tools associated with it because if they've got a better knowledge of how to use it then obviously they're going to be in a better place to support the young person so um, we are thinking about delivering some parental support sessions um, via Google Meet, um, where maybe at night time parents would log on and we would show them how to do some things. Therefore, they would they would know how to access classroom, how to help a child do um, complete a Google Doc or whatever it may be. Oh. Um, and, oh, we, uh, and you're going to be busy then. <laughs> I know another thing to, to add to to do list, but. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a, a worthwhile thing as well. Absolutely. Um, that's what we're in the business for. Sure it will. Um, we've created a lot of how-to videos as well, which are available on the, the Lanark website, but also on the SLC um, Squared site within Glow. Um, and I'm actually in the process of just developing that resource a little bit more so that it can go a bit wider, um, maybe even reach you out in, in Fife Council. <laughs> um, but it's basically some screencast videos of how to how to do this in Google Classroom, how to do that, how how to submit this, how to access that. And we found them to be really, really useful for the pupils and the parents in increasing their confidence because they can actually watch a video and see how they do it. And then mm. obviously go back and, and kind of look at it there. So I watched one with yourself and Karen McLeod. That's what gave me the inspiration to get you on here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those have, those have been really well, really well received and, and obviously uh, in terms of staff, but, but pupils and, and their parents as well. So I think just to kind of round up this question in terms of how do you build confidence within kind of pupils and parents, I think practice is really important as, as it is for everything. As PE teachers, we all know that the more you practice something, the better you, you are at it. Um, the more hours you put into it, the better you'll become. Um, and it's the same with this sort of stuff. The, the more you practice it, then the better you'll be. So um, I think schools should be not just relying on lockdowns to deliver um, Google Classroom's um, help or be using Google Classroom when you are needing to work remotely, but you should be making use of it when you are in school as well. Um, and I know that over the course of August to December, um, just there, I tried my best to, to make sure I implemented it into lessons where, where required, obviously, and, and mm. where, where it would be useful. Um, PSE, PE, um, check-ins even from a pastoral care point of view um, and, and things and just trying to use the tools that are available a little bit more so that the, the children would have that, that level of practice and that level of experience and obviously that was in the in the knowledge that we might go back into a lockdown and therefore it would be required and mm -hmm. here here we are, here we are again. so definitely that was definitely useful and, and probably I would say instrumental in, in where our school, I know that other staff have, have done similar in their school so definitely instrumental in, in allowing us to get off the ground last week really really positively on a remote learning basis. I, I think um that's, I, I was kind of in a similar situation to you as well. So I was obviously when we went back in August, it was you're not allowed to like share anything like 
written work and all that was completely off the cards and stuff. And I was like, just try to make the best use of Microsoft Teams. So see like any of the, the tasks that we were doing in class, um, just getting them to take a picture of their answer and just upload their answer onto the Teams because then like the feedback is so, so much quicker as well. If you can just give them feedback. Not all of them are engaging in it because some of them are still that weren't able to access it for various reasons. and But I even think, I know I keep rambling on about feedback, but from that point of view, it's absolutely fantastic. Even for homework tasks and that's something I never used, but it's cut down a lot on um, paperwork tasks as well, which has been great. Yeah, for sure. Um, lots, of, lots of different applications. And as I kind of said earlier, it, it, it really depends on what you want to use it for. Um, and we should be using it when needed and, mm-hmm. and where it's relevant. Don't be just trying to ram it into into your lessons. Um, yeah. When we go back to school as well, like that, that, that goes the same. It's a bit more of a, a necessity um, just now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but definitely, as you were saying there, Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, just before we move on to the last question then, Alan, I'm just thinking... I did a lot of thinking when you were talking there. So I, was, I was listening as well, but in terms of attendance purposes within school, like me thinking about it from this standpoint, to build parent confidence, how do you, in Lanark Grammar, know if they're on, is there a, a check-in that they have to complete on their year group page, or how do you assess if they're engaging, or is it just through the tasks? Um, a, co- a couple of different ways that, that we've kind of learned from lockdown one and we've tried to implement now. Um, firstly, a pastoral care team, um, myself included, last week made a, a phone call to every single pupil in each of our house groups, firstly to check on their well-being, um, check they were healthy and, and happy, but also to check that, that they had online access. Um, so from there, we were able to kind of set the wheels in motion that we're not checking up on you, so to speak, but we're making mm-hmm. sure you've got access. Um, and if you didn't have access, then we were going to drive out to you with a Chromebook or a Wi-Fi dongle or reset your password or whatever it was going to be. So we got a lot of good response from that um, in terms of engagement and trying to make sure that, that pupils knew they were expected online. And mm-hmm. as I said at the very, very start, ensuring access, really, really important. Yep. Um, secondly, We've been asked this time round for um, non-engagement um, from our head teacher. So at the end of this week, um, that'll be the end of week two of remote learning, if there's anybody who has not engaged at all with your Google Classroom work, whether that be submitting pieces of work or even if they've, if they've maybe only just not really spent a lot of time on it and, and they've just quickly submitted it, then we've been asked by our faculty heads to, to put an email together, including the names of those children. Mm-hmm. and that's to go to the faculty head who will then make relevant phone calls home again just to kind of again chase it up from a subject point of view um, and as we move forward that's going to be a kind of key feature I believe um, in promoting and sustaining engagement yeah. within within our online um, sessions and when it comes to the point where we are going to use our, our Google Meet a little bit more we're going to have a Google form um, that will be posted in the chat and it will be the pupil's responsibility to click on that and put their name, simply right. just their name, yep, and then they'll press. Yep, and then obviously if they're not there, they, they can't get access to the form, so we'll know quite quickly who is who is there and who wasn't. That's good to share different ways and how you, you're doing it and how you're recording it. Um, one of the deputies in our schools, we've got like year groups for Google Classroom, so he's put up like a question for each double period at the start, and they have to come in there, click the question, which tells them that they've been active and then they go into their class but then again they could just say they're here and then no turn up to the class so I think <laughs> the best way is probably 
through the engagement with tasks, I suppose, is the way you're doing it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I hope that, I think, our kind of hope would be this time round that we've set ourselves up really well, that we, we hope we don't need to go down that line of somebody's not engaging. Um, we're hoping that the, the various resources that we've created, the various different mediums, the training that we've given to staff as well as pupils, we're hoping that that's going to be enough to take it in that kind of motivated direction of, right, we know where to go, we know how to do it, and, and we know what we have to do as well. Um, and we're hoping that it's going to be that kind of self-motivated model. It might not go like that um, all the time, but certainly in week one, that's that's the way it's gone. We're hoping not to have to go down that non-engagement rule. We're trying to mm-hmm. entice and, and kind of motivate our pupils and our parents as much as possible by showing how hard we're working on this. Um, and, and hoping that that's going to be enough to get them to kind of buy in to what we are doing just now and see that we're working really hard for you. We need you to work hard for us. We're all working together as mm-hmm. as, as a team in, in Lanark Grammar. Um, so far, so good, and, and long may it continue. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. Um, as you say, it's, it's trying to get, I think you were talking at the start, 80% roughly attendance. You're, you're never going to get 100 if you're looking at it realistically, but that has to be the target. I'm sure you'll agree. Try to get 100% active and engaged. Yep. Yep, always, always the target is striving for perfection at all times, even yeah. though perfection might be that elusive concept, um, you're still striving for it as close to it as you can possibly get, so um, it's just about listening to, to staff, to pupils, to parents, and, and kind of taking on board those pieces of feedback and then adapting as we go, so that's what I, I kind of mean from learning lessons from lockdown one, we're, we've implemented a totally different model of remote learning now, where we're following our timetable. Um, to the to the time um, of, of what it would usually be in the school building yep. um, this time round, whereas last time round it was a case of staff will post all the work on the Monday at some point and you've got until the Friday to complete it. Um, that was a really overwhelming uh, concept for the children, especially the last time that, that we thought we were doing the right thing by giving them a, a bit of extra time to complete work, but on feedback it was it was actually the, the opposite. So this time round it's, it's all about posting the work at the, at the certain time of the period, um, give, giving it in manageable chunks. It's, it's a period's worth of work at a time, um, making sure you've got the option of, of how would a pupil contact you or how would they talk you through Google Classroom or, or whatever it would be. Um, and that sort of thing seems to be working quite well so far, as I said. That's interesting. It brings it back to that structure, doesn't it, and routine. And rather than giving them a week, they know they need to be there at that time and that's the work they need to do in that period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Talking about striving for perfection, I'm loving how these are all linking these questions, Alan. You're doing <laughs> striving for perfection. Um, lastly, in your opinion, what makes a high quality remote learning teacher? There's a question I never thought I would be asking. asking anybody. That is that is some question, Clark. That is some question. So high quality remote learning teacher. How do um, that? I think that that very much range on on as I've kind of said all the way through the podcast on who's in front of you and, and what where you are in your teaching career. Um, I think if we're if we're looking at the that kind of idea of perfection um, that that we touched on just a few moments ago, then like that idea of what makes the perfect lesson, um, which you get asked to interview sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we've all been there at some point. Um, but there there is no one size fits all, and you need to be very very knowledgeable about who's in front of you, what your catchment's like, what your school's like, and, and obviously where you're at as a professional as well. And what I'm trying to say in there is that every teacher does have the potential to be a high-quality remote learning educator. Um, it's not just down to um, the, the younger generation or 
people who have got experience in it or anything. Every single teacher has definitely got the potential um, to, to deliver a high quality learning teaching experience yep. as they would do had they been in the, the physical classroom. So I think for me, some key considerations would definitely be, firstly, be prepared. Um, remote learning definitely has the, the opportunity for you to teach at a certain time um, or, or kind of schedule your work. I know that in Google Classroom, a lot of our teachers are making use of the scheduling function. So you can make the work and kind of create up the assignment at a certain time, but it'll only upload to the classroom whenever you say, um, so that you don't have to be online at a certain time. You can you can have it automatically do it. Um, so using that as a, as a tool for preparation is really important. And I think, um, it would be it would be important to make use of lots of different resources, as I said earlier as well, maybe combining some of those interactive ideas of live lessons, narrated PowerPoints, as well as the, the more um, kind of typical worksheets or PowerPoint slides. Um, and I think there's kind of words in there to be used of synchronous learning and asynchronous learning. So, yeah, so like synchronous learning meaning um, kind of linking more to those live lessons ideas where people are there at a certain time and everybody's learning together um, or asynchronous where it might be you post the work on the Monday and they go away and work on it on their own time um, for, for a couple of time a couple of periods so um, I think making making sure you use a mixture of them would be would be useful um, Next, understanding the different tools that are available to you. So um, there's obviously loads of different digital tools, um, loads that we've yet to discover, loads that have yet to be invented as well. Um, but I think if you're looking for a high quality remote learning experience or, or high quality remote learning teacher, then that's, this person would use a mixture of, of all of them. They wouldn't just kind of stick to the one, they would make, a use, uh, make use of, of a mixture. So there would definitely be a level of flexibility in there for the learners. Um, that differentiation idea that we touched on earlier as well of obviously you'll have a mixture of learners in your class um, if you just put up one or two resources it might only reach a few of them whereas um, a high quality remote learning teacher might have have a couple of, of different ones um, and ones that obviously reach out to all pupils in there um, and lastly for for me for a, a consideration for a high quality learning a remote learning teacher I would definitely think that feedback should be in there obviously assessment is a key part of what we do in education and um, that is that is how a learner knows what their strengths and their areas for development are so a lot of the time we can get quite caught up on creating the work posting the work and making sure it's out there but sometimes forgetting that we should we need to go back and we need to make sure we give feedback and it needs to be good feedback quality feedback um, so like we kind of mentioned earlier you've you've got the opportunity to type the feedback but sometimes that can get a little bit clunky online and for me, um, even as a big advocate of online stuff, I do find it easier to, to handwrite feedback on, on a piece of paper um, and kind of give them it back. So finding other more creative ways, like, as we said earlier, Screencastify to make a quick video and post it back to the kid. Um, that could be really useful, but definitely don't forget about how important feedback is as a, a key part of, of education um, and, and making sure it's good quality feedback as well. I think even like what you said there, even just having our comments with praise on it, those words will have a big impact in that child's day. Like yeah. if you're saying well done, keep going, keep it up. I mean that could. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think Screencastify is great. I'm going to be using that as well. But I think also those 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 comments as well will have a profound impact. Yeah, because if, if we're talking about if we're talking about engagement, then there's nothing worse than if if a young person puts time and effort into an assignment um, from home, and maybe they've spent an hour, two hours, however long it might have been on it, and they they're they're eagerly awaiting your feedback on it, and then that never comes, or it's just a kind of case of well done. 
Um, I think mm-hmm. for, for engagement purposes, I think feedback's really, really, really crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, the same as it would be had we been in the physical building. So I would definitely say to make sure it's high quality, make sure that, that you don't forget about the back end of, of your education, which would be would be feedback and make sure you get back to your pupils about it. I love that, just putting the time and effort to give in good quality feedback because they're putting the effort in to do your work. So that's a, the, the bare minimal you should be doing for them, in my opinion, is giving them a decent amount of feedback that's obviously specific to what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think... I th- I think Alan. I'm just going to round that off there. Round um, off then. You good at round off? Alan, Alan um, spoke a bit <laughs> in there about everybody's got potential. Um, I think that's a good message to send out. Everyone's got potential to be a high quality remote learning teacher. So that was good. Um, first one was be prepared. Understanding the tools and mix it up. I love that. And then the last one, make sure you're giving that feedback and that formative assessment throughout the, the after the lesson, sorry. So no, thanks very much, Alan, for those good messages in there. Um, and we'll move on to the quick fire in now. The voice is taking over. Final part then, Alan. Thanks so much for all your kind of really good detailed answers. And I've taken absolute harness for this episode. So cheers. Um, so <laughs> at, at, the, at the end of every podcast, we've got a wee quick fire round of three questions um, that we ask all the guests. So we'll go for it. So if you could have a giant billboard in your hometown, what would it say on it? Um, I, I think is, that, is this Lanark? Is this your hometown or his? <laughs> is it going to be easy to drive into Lanark Grammar or is it going to be a <laughs> it, could be, it could be a billboard on the way. It could be on the way to work if you want it. Um, I think for me it has to be what I would call my non-negotiables. So um, in PSE when first years come in, um, as a pupil sport teacher obviously relationships are huge. So I've got what I call my three non-negotiables that, that I deliver in the first year PSE lesson and, and those are effort, honesty and respect. Um, Campbell's non-negotiables if you do those things then we'll get on just fine and, and you'll be successful in your time at school so I would definitely live by those those three principles those would be in the billboard effort honesty and respect love it number two what people or books have had the greatest influence on your life um, again for, for those that, that know me will, will, will know who I'm going to say here but Lewis Hamilton for me is, is my idol um, I've followed his career for for 10, 12 years or so now since he entered Formula One. Um, I was a big fan of Formula One before it, but he is he's by far my, my kind of favourite sports person and, and favourite driver, not so much just because of what he has achieved on track as as the, the kind of best, or in some people's um, eyes, the, the best driver of all time in F1, but more so of what, where he's came from. Um, he came from a town called Stevenage. He was one of very, very few black people in his town um, and he got a lot of bullying and a lot of stereotypes put on him at a young age um, his dad worked really hard to get him to where he was holding down four jobs at one point um, and he is definitely for me the, the epitome and the kind of personification of effort um, he's never never stopped he's always kept on going he's rose above challenges um, and, and it's got him to where he is now um, and I really really think that effort is a big a big part of, of kind of my my person my personal character, even outside the teaching as well. If you're putting in a hundred percent effort, then that's all I can ever ask for. So he's definitely the kind of personification of one of my core values. So I would say mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton. Brilliant. He's got out of it what he put in. Love it. Right, final one then. What advice would you give to a teacher who is uncomfortable and worried about their teaching online? Um, I would firstly say that that even as somebody who's on this podcast and being invited on, um, having a bit of a bit of experience with with Google products as well as other digital tools, I was once 
in their shoes. Um, everybody will be at some point. Everybody kind of starts off at, at the beginning, um, which is obviously with zero experience. So I've been there and I know how that feels um, and it can be a little bit daunting. But I think taking on board some training opportunities first to help increase their confidence would be key. So as I mentioned earlier, the, the Google Fundamentals training is, is free. It's there. You can use it. Um, same goes for Microsoft and, and Apple Teacher as well. And I've done all, all three of those um, kind of courses and, and I've learned so much from them that it's been instrumental in helping me understand a little bit more about what tools I can, what tools are out there and how I can use them within my, my learning teaching. And then from there, it's been a bit of, right now I know how to use it. I'm going to be a bit creative and try this. Um, and I think that would be the first thing. Um, secondly, I think consider what is it you want to be able to do on their online teaching firstly and then increase it gradually. Don't just use something for the sake of it. Think about what it is you want to achieve and then obviously select the correct tool for the job. Um, and then finally, I would say that ICT literacy is quite important nowadays, if, if not one of the top three, then definitely the top five skills that a lot of employers and, and things look for. And obviously in the current climate, climate it's absolutely mega, but it is only one one tool, one tool in our teaching toolbox um, and although we need to use that a lot just now when we go back to school we should still use it where, where it's needed but don't forget about all the other ways that you can teach and reach out to learners because they all learn in different ways as well so it's only one toolbox uh, one tool in your toolbox don't get over over complicated about it don't overthink it i i think that's um some fantastic advice here for to, to round this this night's episode succinctly up of online learning so thanks very much for giving up that was a good hour and a half of your time tonight to come on and share your experience with us i'm sure the people listening will definitely take a lot from it as of we for sure so thanks a lot mm-hmm. thanks very much alan that was amazing as i said some really good messages in there that people can take away and action on tomorrow i'm sure and in the days to come as well, for as long as we're in this online learning platform. But I loved how you said when it goes back to school, um, it's time to, you know, maybe adapt again. And something I'm sure we'll be able to do. No, good. Thanks very much for having me, gents. It's, it's been a pleasure. Well, that takes us to the end of another episode of the podcast. This week we had Alan Campbell on talking to us about all things remote learning. Um, so I guess that just leaves us with the takeaway messages. So, Clark, what is your key takeaway message from tonight's very informative episode on remote learning, or remote teaching, mm. I say? Remote teaching and learning, you're right. Um, very, you infor- very informative indeed, Mr. Cleland. Um, lots of points in there. Uh, I'm going to just re- keep it simple and short. If I look back to the lockdown, the first lockdown, lockdown one, as Alan spoke about it as well, many of them were numbering them, but um, I looked at and reflected on me and my knowledge about my, my subject and I didn't know enough. That was my, my my number one reflection. Off the back of that, we started the podcast, done a bit of reading in my own time. You need, to, you need to take charge of that yourself and you need to like go out and learn stuff and develop knowledge of, for, for, for instance, for this, it's Google, Google uh, Classroom or any sort of Microsoft platform as well. So Alan spoke about how you need, you need to put yourself out there, go and network, go and research network on Twitter, research um, on the different trainer training courses. Most of them are free, as he was saying. So I would say, really, you just take responsibility. Anybody that's listening and go and develop your, your subject knowledge and um, also not just the subject knowledge, how to actually teach it effectively and digi- digitally. Um, mm-hmm. That would be my key take message through my own reflections over the past year or so. Um, 
What does it help me? If you could just find yourself just going in and doing your job and just doing the same thing all the time and just not, you're not going to get any better if you do that. You'll learn so much at uni and then obviously probation year and stuff like that. But if you don't do any of your own kind of reading or learning off your own back, then that's only going to take you so far. So if you're not engaging in these kind of online communities or asking questions and putting yourself out there, you're not going to get anywhere. But you're not, you, I'm not saying you won't get anywhere, but your knowledge is going to be limited and therefore your what you're teaching is just going to be limited, the same examples. And it's just... Yeah. It's not going to get any better. And it's I think for teach, I think it was sort of four years I've been teaching last year. So I think it gets to that point where you get you come through the first couple of years and then you get quite comfy and you think you're doing a decent job. Or you're doing, you think you're doing a decent job anyway, but then you just sort of plateau. I felt mm-hmm. as if I was just plateauing and the only way is to go to the next level. But I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't. So. But it helps speaking to people so on the podcast, isn't it? Like speaking to all these uh, different guests, like it's so refreshing, motivating, and uh, it actually continues. you're like, well, there's so much I don't know. And then these exactly. people probably feel like the same, and it's just having that mindset that you're constantly trying to improve. Well put. You finished it off for me. <laughs> Thank you. So any any key takeaway messages? Anything? Yeah, you I think. Um, I think just kind of to touch on that as well, just kind of what Alan was saying, kind of what steps should you take if you're you're feeling worried about teaching online? And I guess it's all these, so like the Google Educator or whatever it's called, um, the training platform that Google offer, then you've got the Microsoft Educator and the Apple Teacher. All these things are free. Like that's that was my probably my biggest one. These things are free, so there's not really any excuse for you not to be able to go and do that. Like that's something you can be doing you could do you could just chip away at that when you're uh, working from home at the moment like that's something that you could go and do and even if you don't get the badges you're still taking in the knowledge just because you get the badge that doesn't mean it's going to make you any better do you know what i mean you mm-hmm. can still you can do the learning and if you don't want to do the test at the end that's fine you've still taken things from it um so that would be my first one and then the second one making sure you're using the correct tool for the job i really like that so not just using like all these fancy teaching strategies for for the absolute sake of it. If it's not going to benefit your kids or benefit your teaching, then what's the point in doing it just for the sake of it? Um, know what works well for you. Be good at using that and use it effectively rather than just... That's really good, eh? That's it. Like, the more courses you go on, as you said, the different platforms, then the more knowledge you'll have. But then it's so, so good having the knowledge. You're big on that as well, like taking action. Um, that's mm. the big thing about the podcast. It's okay having the knowledge, but you need to action it. And then through developing more knowledge then you get more tools and then you get more tools to choose from in the toolbox absolutely and my toolbox is slowly but surely getting a wee bit bigger i seen you <laughs> i seen, I seen you when you're doing your toolbox you couldn't get up the stairs it was that heavy <laughs> I, mean, I, had to, I had to wear my, my steel toe caps on in case I dropped it on it <laughs> <laughs> stealing your brother's steel toe caps again he'll be killing you what are you putting back aye steel toe caps and he's hard yeah. to I hope you put them back, the steel toe caps, not the toolbox. <laughs> right, well, aye, that was aye, talking about actionable points from a podcast. I think there's many actionable things that can be taken away there and um, very, very relevant in just now, this episode. So hopefully... I know. There was just loads, weren't there? It's just endless. Mm-hmm. Um, but aye, so I think that rounds us off nicely for this episode. Um, thanks again for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And as always, we'll be back again at the same time next week. Have a great week and take care.